Welcome to the Dynasty Freaks podcast with your host, Justin Christopher. For free rankings, player values, waiver wire tips, and trade advice, follow him online at dynastyfreaks.com or email dynastyfreaks at gmail.com. Hello, greetings from Austin, Texas. Welcome all of you Dynasty Freaks. Admit it, you're addicted to Dynasty. I am too. My name is Justin Christopher and I am a Dynasty Freak, which means I love drafting and trading and scouting and managing all of my teams 365 days a year. So to you, so let's talk some Dynasty on episode number 154. We're talking a little review of week number two. Man, the NFL week number two Sunday games got off to a really slow start with non-competitive games. Uh, very few fantasy points scored, but the afternoon games definitely delivered. Uh, great entertainment and good fantasy goodness. And then the nightcap between Kansas City and Baltimore was an instant classic. So it was a great weekend in the end, even though it started uh, pretty slow. Personally, on the dynasty front, I had a pretty lame week. Personally, my team's finished 5-5. Five and five. Uh, Thanks in no part to the way that the Packers went wild last night. Lost a lot of games on Monday night. But like I always say, uh, win or lose, it's a joy to watch football all weekend and cheer on our dynasty teams. Uh, That's the truth. So after following all the games this week, uh, here are a few of my thoughts on players and situations and their impact on our dynasty teams. Then I'll talk to you a little bit about the waiver wire for this week, as well as uh, talk about some trades that took place in my league. So let's start with some observations from uh, this week. First is the quarterback injuries really impacted the games. Um, Like I already said, the early games got off to a really slow start. Uh, I don't know how you guys watch the games or how you have your apps or your uh, scores working, but I keep a computer open with all my games going at once and looking at my my scores and my fantasy games, and there was like little movement at all in the noon game. So it was just really slow start. And there were a few fantasy points that were scored, and one reason why is that so many quarterbacks left the games early with injuries. So Tyrod Taylor pulled a hamstring on an excellent run for a touchdown. Rookie Davis Mills entered the game and had a real difficulty moving the offense before finally connecting with the touchdown pass to Brandon Cooks very late in the game. Uh, Carson Wentz injured his ankle. Now we find out it was both ankles and gave way to Jacob Eason, who quickly threw an interception on his second play. Uh, Wentz did come back into the game but tried to do too much and just couldn't leave his team on the comeback uh, to win the game. And Tua Tungabola hurt his ribs when he took a nasty blindside sack. And the Bills shut out uh, Jacoby Brissett and the Dolphins when he came in. Andy Dalton hurt his knee on a scramble early in the game, and Chicago fans finally got what they wanted to see, Justin Fields. Uh, But he didn't do much in his first NFL game, uh, but got the win thanks to Joe Burrow's three interceptions. So four out of the nine early games had backup quarterbacks playing, which resulted in poor fantasy weeks for players on their their teams. which uh, I said, you know, as of Monday, it's pretty unclear uh, which will be healthy enough to play their, in their team's games this first week uh, back coming off their injuries. Uh, but very startable players like Allen Robinson, David Montgomery, Jonathan Taylor, Brandon Cooks, Jalen Waddell, Devontae Parker, Miles Gaskin. I think that they're all going to be uh, questionable starts if their backups lead their teams, which is sad to say. Um, Dynasty managers are going to have to make some tough calls next week and in the coming weeks when quarterbacks get hurt like this, uh, I hate when quarterbacks get hurt. It really ruins the dynasty value, uh, fantasy value. I won't say dynasty because dynasty, we're thinking long-term, but it hurts the fantasy value of so many players and hurts our teams. Second thing that I go back to Thursday night that I would say is uh, Sterling Shepard's consistency. Um, Thursday night's game, I just want to go back there just to remind people how consistent Shepard is as long as he's healthy. 
Uh, Shepard is really the perfect wide receiver four or the last flex position kind of player in PPR leagues. Uh, when healthy, he's a number one target for Daniel Jones. Uh, Kenny Galladay's presence is not making the difference that I thought it would. Shepard just does all the little things well, and he gets peppered with targets underneath coverages. Uh, he's had 16 catches on 19 targets over the first two games of the season while playing against two of the top defenses, in my opinion. Uh, next week, the Giants play Atlanta at home, which has been torn up you know, two games in a row by Philadelphia and Tampa Bay. Uh, so as long as Shepard is health healthy, uh, I think I would start him. You know, He's guaranteed that to collect 10 to 15 points. Uh, he's a player that I traded for in three leagues last year, and he's been in the lineup so far. Um, he does have that injury proneness, so it's possible that he's going to get injured, but until he's injured, he's a really consistent PPR magnet, so I'm ha- happy about Sterling Shepard. Next thing I'd say um, is Cortland Sutton and the Denver offense has really improved. Uh, Sutton put to rest any doubters that thought that he would have to ease his way back into starting in Dynasty lineups uh, after recovering from, from his ACL surgery. In week one, he only had one catch, which is pretty disappointing, but he exploded on the scene this week with two um, in week two with nine catches and 159 yards. Uh, Tim Patrick and Noah Fant got the red zone touchdowns, unfortunately, for Sutton, but Sutton hugged, uh, hogged the target share and the air yards. The Denver offense is humming, really, with Bridgewater's leadership. The Broncos are 2-0, and and going into their week three game against the hapless Jets, <laughs> it looks like they're headed toward 3-0. In a one-quarterback league, I started Bridgewater over Tua, over Daniel Jones, over Jameis Winston. Admittedly, that's a pretty weak quarterback room, admittedly. <laughs> but on um, weeks where the matchups are in my favor, Bridgewater is going to be the starter for me in those in those leagues. The Broncos running back usage was frustrating from a fantasy perspective, as Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams are pretty much splitting snaps 50-50. But it was pretty clear this Sunday that Melvin Gordon is the back that they prefer when they're in the passing game. So he's a flex-worthy player ahead of Williams for the time being, while definitely Williams has a far greater dynasty value. Uh, the Broncos have one of the best defenses in the league, too, so they're giving their offense even a higher volume of plays than most teams are getting. And so Cortland Sutton, Denver offense, is looking really good, even though they lost Jerry Judy. Other thing I'll mention is uh, James White. Uh, I think that he's just a PPR magi- magic, you know, magician again. Uh, While White was uh, used to be a sneaky start in PPR leagues when Tom Brady was his quarterback, uh, he even had a top 12 fantasy season one year. Uh, When Brady left and New England signed Cam Newton, White's dynasty value pretty much plummeted. Uh, I thought it plummeted permanently, honestly. Uh, But now with Matt Jones, his quarterback, his dynasty value is on the rise again. White had six receptions in each of the last two games with Jones. Uh, He's second on the team in targets just behind Jacoby Myers and ahead of Johnny Smith. Uh, Damien Harris only has seven more snaps than White in the first two games, so White is playing a lot, and his role in the passing downs is set in stone, in my opinion. Uh, This week, they left him in the game on a goal line carry two, and he scored a touchdown. Um, I just love having a guy like White as my RB2 or as a flex position in PPR leagues, and I'm eager to get him on my lineups next week ahead of some of the wide receivers who are not likely to have that six-reception floor like James White has. He's going to get lots of catches in PPR leagues. He's a great start again. Glad to have James White and his dynasty value back. Next thing I mention is Mike Williams. Uh, he really looks different this year. Mike Williams had a great game on Sunday. Uh, he out-targeted Keenan Allen 10 to eight, and was the first read on several pass plays, including a 12-yard touchdown. Uh, he's been featured in the offense the last two weeks, getting 12 and 10 targets in weeks one and two. 
He scored 18.2 and 18.6 fantasy points in back-to-back weeks, and that's pretty dang consistent. And for the time being, it's actually more points than Keenan Allen. Uh, This week, he uh, even ran more routes than Allen. Williams uh, needs to be in starting lineups every week now. Uh, Williams never lived up to his first first round draft capital uh, so far, and he struggled with injuries. That's been part of it. Um, And I really anticipated that Josh Palmer would slowly work his way into the rotation this year and be groomed to replace Williams since his contract is up at the end of the season. But I now believe that I'm wrong. I'm wrong in this one. I'll admit it. If Williams can stay healthy this season, the Chargers with Justin Herbert uh, should give him a new contract. He's looked so good uh, these last two weeks. Uh, Sadly, I don't have a single share of Williams, but I'm going to look for him in a trade with some teams this week for sure. Unbelievable. He's outperforming. Uh, Keenan Allen. Next thing I'll mention is I'll call it hard to watch one of my favorite players. Uh, It looks like the Browns are committed to keeping Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt healthy by splitting their touches in half. And as a fan club, uh, as a fan of Chubb, uh, this really upsets me. Chubb is one of my favorite running backs uh, in the NFL to watch. And so this annoys me both as a football fan, just because I like to watch him, but it also annoys me as a dynasty manager because because I love to watch him. Chubb is also one of my most rostered players, and unfortunately this season he looks bound to just get 12 to 10, 12 to 15 touches probably a game. Uh, he only had 11 carries on Sunday. It's so bad. I'm confident that he's going to score a touchdown every week like he already has, uh, but that's not what I need on my fantasy teams. I need a workhorse. With his speed and his power, I need him to carry the ball 20 times a game and score two touchdowns to help my teams win games. But sadly, I think Chubb is more of a safe floor player, and he's lost his high ceiling upside, which is really what we want on our Dynasty rosters. Uh, Cleveland, thank you. You're ruining my Sundays in real life and being able to watch one of my favorite players, and you're ruining my Dynasty teams with Nick Chubb. Very unfortunate and frustrating for me. I noticed another thing this week is that Minnesota's offense is really looking different. Uh, The Vikings have been running 11 personnel on almost every play, and K.J. Osborne is the uh, permanent piece of their offensive puzzle now. Uh, He scored early on a 64-yard touchdown in the game. It was a broken coverage play, but beyond just that one great play, he had six targets this week after getting nine looks last week. Um, As I wrote about and as I podcasted about last week, he really is an excellent player to roster. Because if Justin Jefferson or Adam Thielen get injured this season, uh, he would really step in and be right there with even more production than he's already had. In addition, Kirk, uh, Kirk Cousins, he's annually disrespected in fantasy football, but he finishes near or in the top 12 every single season. And this year, as the Vikings open up their offense even more, he's going to do it again. He's a very reliable quarterback with one of the best wide receiver tandems in the league and a running back the defenses have to account for. So... Thielen, of course, keeps doing his thing. He continues to produce fantasy points with efficiency in the red zone. Three touchdowns on the season already. Uh, Minnesota's defense has actually played pitifully to start the season, too. And so Cousin and company really are going to be in some shootouts, which could continue as it has already to start the season. So dynasty managers already start to cook Thielen and Jefferson every single week. But they should consider giving Cousins a nod, too. Um, I'm 2-0 and in the one, in a one quarterback league where I have started uh, Cousins as my starting quarterback the two the first two weeks that I've started him. So Minnesota's offense is really uh, looking good and significant fantasy factor. Next thing sad to say as a Cowboy fan is that Tony Pollard is a factor. Uh, Pollard outscored Ezekiel Elliott for the second week in a row. Amazing. 
two weeks in a row he's outscored him in fantasy. Uh, both had good fantasy games this week, but Pollard's again, was better. Last week, Dallas focused on the passing game a lot because they were playing the stout uh, Tampa Bay defensive line. And so I thought, well, Pollard's just more involved because of his role in the passing game. This week, however, Dallas focused on the running game, and Pollard was just as involved. Uh, he ran more routes than Zeke, was featured many times on plays when he was in the game. So when he's in the game, he was definitely at the first look in many of the of the plays. If Dynasty managers have not done so yet, I think it's time to start Pollard in lineups. Um, unfortunate for Zeke managers, he's not going to get the volume that he had in years past. I think Pollard's a permanent new addition to the offense, which is good for the Cowboys, but bad for Zeke in fantasy. Very similar to the Chubb and Hunt situation. Um, this really just limits the ceiling for Zeke. Uh, sad to say. Next thing I'll say is Derek Carr. He looks like he could be a, a reliable starter. Uh, don't look now, but one of the quarterbacks that's the most fun to ridicule and the most sensitive to ridicule is actually proving us wrong, at least his first two games of the season. After throwing a game-winning catch late in overtime on Monday night, I thought for sure that Carr and the Raiders would fall apart traveling from coast to coast on a short week, but I was wrong. They ended up beating down Pittsburgh. Uh, Carr uh, dropped two dimes for touchdowns, one deep pass to Henry Ruggs, and one red zone shot to Foster Moreau. What's most impressive is he had 817 combined yards passing these last two weeks, over 400 yards a week if you combine the weeks. Now, this week wasn't only the Darren Waller show, too. Last week he, you know, he got targeted like crazy, but this week he spread the ball around to 11 different players, giving Henry Ruggs and Hunter Renfro as many targets, uh, seven, as Waller. So two weeks doesn't make a trend, uh, but if Carr strings together a few more like this, his dynasty value is really going to rise, probably like as high as it's been since he finished his promising rookie season when he was pretty high up there in the dynasty rankings. He's fallen every year since, but now I think Derek Carr is on the rise and a reliable starter, even in one quarterback leagues. Last uh, observation before we get into some waiver wire news is that Baltimore's running backs are untrustworthy. Uh, Baltimore won an exciting game on Sunday night. That was fun, wasn't it? Uh, they won it on the back of Lamar Jackson and the running game. The only problem for dynasty managers is that the backfield is even muddier than ever. Uh, Tyson Williams got most snaps at 37, but Latavius Murray, Murray had 27 snaps and got the short yardage and goal line looks and even scored a touchdown. And then now they've added the addition of Devontae Freeman. Uh, he had his first two carries with the team, including one 31-yard burst, uh, though he only had 10 snaps total. It looks like Lamar Jackson is once again the best runner on the team. He led the team in carries, 16, touchdowns, 2, and had that game-sealing run uh, with, you know, to, to win the game. Uh, it's fun to watch as an NFL fan, but it's hard to watch as a dynasty manager. I didn't get any shares of Tyson Williams after Baltimore running back injuries happened uh, this offseason, but I do have a few shares of Latavius Murray, um, and I would only feel comfortable starting either one of them if I was in a pinch. Uh, they're just not going to produce with the share that they're having right now. So those are my 10 observations overall from week number two. Uh, let me talk just real briefly about the waiver wire. I'll give you some tips so that you can make some moves today uh, as you get your waiver wire ready. Um, as a reminder, I do play in seven, uh, 27 to 30 man roster leagues. And so the players that I'm going to list here uh, are for deep leagues only. If you play in shallower leagues, there are certainly better players to pick up on the waiver wire. But if you play in deep leagues, what I call true dynasty leagues, then these are the players that I would make bids on this week, and I'm going to list them in order that I would prioritize them. And honestly, this is a pretty bad week from a dynasty perspective on the waiver wire. So pretty bad week, but here's a few players that I'd consider. 
Uh, first, I already talked about him, K.J. Osborne. Um, I you know, said, said this on the podcast last week um, that I'm still going to include him in the waiver wire edition this week because he wasn't picked up in all the leagues that I'm in. Um, like I already you know, spoke about him, so I'd rather have him uh, in his second year in the NFL than like an older wide receiver like, say, Deshaun Jackson that's clearly not getting the role that we hoped for in L.A., so I'll drop an older guy like that for Osborne. Um, just in case, you know, he's going to not be someone you probably ever start, uh, but he could be someone that develops into something. And if uh, Thielen, who often gets injured, or Justin Jefferson, hopefully not, <laughs> get injured, uh, Osborne's going to be the wide receiver too in a team, like I already said, that's actually passing more than they have in years past. He's played really well the last two weeks and had a ton of targets. I think he should be rostered in 100% of leagues, but he has not been uh, thus far, even in my deep leagues. Second player I'd add this week would be Jack Doyle. Uh, Doyle had five catches for 64 yards on Sunday. Uh, more importantly, he had almost double the snaps of Mo Ali Cox, um, and he had eight targets compared to Cox's two targets. Uh, Wentz checked down to running backs many, many times in game one. Uh, in game two this week, he checked down to Doyle a lot. Uh, Paris Campbell didn't play on Sunday, which may be a significant reason why, why Doyle got more looks. Uh, still, it appears that he's the starting tight end for the Colts uh, and has the eye of Wentz more than Cox does. If I had a top-tier tight end, I probably wouldn't make a bid on him. But if I had a roster where I was kind of streaming the tight end position, I'd make him uh, you know, a top priority for this week. Uh, last player, only other one worth mentioning on this pretty bad week on the waiver wire, would be Max Williams. Uh, Arizona is not running as much 10 personnel as I expected. Uh, Williams has had plenty of tight end snaps with 55 this week, and he had uh, 55 in week one, 45 in week two. Uh, that's a lot of snaps uh, for a tight end that we thought, you know, Arizona would be running a lot of four wide receiver sets, but they've been playing their tight end. Uh, this week he received seven targets and caught all seven for 94 yards, uh, even though his best catch was a ricochet that was not intended for him. Uh, there really are too many weapons in Arizona to think that he's going to become a significant part of the offense. But he was second in targets and yards this week. Um, I would only add him to my roster in a tight end premium league or in leagues with very, very deep rosters, but did still want to mention him here, Max Williams. That's about it for this week. It's a pretty, pretty rough week on the waiver wire. So we'll close. Like I do every week, talking about week two uh, trades, trades that took place in my leagues. Uh, trades are definitely hard to grade in a vacuum uh, since scoring systems are different in each league and every team has a diverse roster construction. Uh, that's why what I do on um, these podcasts is I talk, talk about trades that actually took place in my leagues, and then I grade the trade, but I give context for what each team, in my, at least in my opinion, was trying to accomplish. So here's some thoughts on trades that took place. Uh, it's early in the season this this year, so there were only two trades that took place in my leagues last week, uh, both by the same uh, team in one case. So pretty big, big trade here in the first one. Uh, Kellen Mond, Kenyon Drake, Michael Carter and a 2022 first-round pick uh, for Trey Lance, Devin Singletary, Zach Moss, and a 22 second-round pick. I'll say it again. So Kellen Mond, Kenyon Drake, Michael Carter, and a 22 first for Trey Lance, Devin Singletary, Zach Moss, and a 22 second. So that's a pretty big trade. Uh, it was made in a one-quarterback league between teams, the one that was trying to rebuild and one that was a win now. Um, I think it's a pretty fair trade, in my opinion. I think Trey Lance is the best player in the trade, uh, but the team that gave him up already had Trevor Lawrence on his team, uh, making him more willing to part with Lance in a one-quarterback league. Uh, he was able to stash another rookie quarterback in Mond, 
get younger at running back with Michael Carter and pick up first round uh, for his rebuilding team. So that's good. Boys, the win now team has two stud running backs, Dalvin Cook and Antonio Gibson, but he lost depth on his lineup when Raheem Mostert got injured. Trey Sermon possibly lost his backup role, so far at least. Um, he secured really a nebulous backfield um, should he need to put you know a Bills running back in his lineup now that he has Singletary and Moss, so he's got a little bit of depth. And then he's got the upside long-term quarterback as Trey Lance to build you know weight behind his starter, Matt Stafford. So he's set with Stafford, but now has Lance to back up. I feel like this is a pretty fair trade, uh, but I think I like the Lance side of the trade just a little bit better, especially since I don't believe uh, Carter's ever going to be an every-down player in the NFL. And I think Mond, Mond is a very overrated prospect. Uh, the first-round pick, though, um, that will be some delayed gratification, though. And if you already have Trevor Lawrence, I could see why you'd be willing to give up on Lance in a one-quarterback league. Uh, Lawrence doesn't look so good, but he's going to get better after he takes his lumps. Pretty fair trade, but see what both players were trying to do with their approaches to a rebuild and a win-now team. Next trade was Kenyon Drake for a 22-second-round pick. I didn't mention Drake in the trade above because the rebuilding team that acquired Drake immediately flipped him for another 22-second-round pick. So essentially, he got back the second-round pick that he gave up in the trade that I just mentioned. And he now has two first-round picks and three second-round picks in 2022. So I think I like this side of the trade here. Um, I don't imagine Drake playing in my starting lineup this year, even if Josh Jacobs is injured, which is I'm sure why this trade happened this week. When Jacob was injured, uh, Drake's you know dynasty value or even one-year value took a quick little bump. That's probably why this trade took place. That's definitely hindsight now. But the Raiders gave um, more carries uh, to Peyton Barber than they did Drake. I just don't think that they believe Drake is the back, the direct backup to Jacobs. They see him only as a, in the passing game role. And so I think I would like this 22 second round picks. So good job there acquiring draft picks um, for the rebuilding team. Those are the only two trades that took place in my leagues this, this week. I'm sure there's going to be much more to come. I hope that you had a better week than me this week. And... Uh, Always keep in mind, it's a long season, so keep making moves and be a dynasty freak. Stay active, and your team can improve as the year goes on. Or you can do what I just described. One, one owner was doing here was rebuilding his team. Uh, go ahead and deciding right now it's time to do that. That's the fun of dynasty. Stay involved. Even when you're losing, you might be winning if you're doing it right. That's a wrap this week for my freaky friends. Uh, thanks so much for listening. Make it a two-way conversation anytime by contacting me at dynastyfreaks at gmail.com. That's dynastyfreaks with two E's. I'm much better on email than Twitter, so email me, and I would love to contact or talk with you about your team. I'd be honored if you take time to rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts. That would mean a lot to me as an independent podcaster. Thanks for listening. I appreciate your support. I do want to become your most trusted independent voice in the dynasty landscape. Until next time, you know what to do. Go out there. Get freaky. Thanks for listening to the Dynasty Freaks podcast with your host, Justin Christopher. We welcome your thoughts and advice. Let us know what you'd like to hear on the podcast or see on the website to help you dominate your league. Justin prides himself in responding to every email, so hit him up anytime at dynastyfreaks at gmail.com and follow him on Twitter at LonghornJustin. Justin.